I'm Bobby C. That's Edgar Burgos. You are tuned in to Step in the Arena on the Cruise Control Podcast Network in collab with Hard to Guard Media. We appreciate those watching live on Twitter. As always, you can like, download, and share our podcast on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and of course, on YouTube. Mr. Burgos. How it goes this evening. <laughs> What's up, Bob? How you feeling? I'm doing all right, man. Trying to have some fun here on the podcast. And uh, I think for me, that's, you know, as, as great a guest list as we always have. I was curious why you just can't seem to say our podcast correctly. Step into the arena because there's two of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's two of us. So we, we're both stepping into the arena. The arena. Yeah. Well, I think it works. I think it works. You know, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, our, our producer, Randy Cruz might might uh, not agree with you, but I could see I could see why you go that direction. Randy Randy because uh, stays yelling at me all the time. I say his name wrong. I say the, the title of the show wrong. He's like, get it together, man. <laughs> well, you know, as I mentioned in the opening, we definitely have a great show for our fans tonight, and we wanted to bring in our first guest. As much as I know, all the fans love our banter back and forth here to kick off our shows. So without further ado, we wanted to bring in Robin Lumberg, who is with us tonight, senior host at SI, talent for CBS Radio and Mad Dog Radio, and of course, the New York Post podcast, Full Court on Flatbush with Kerry Kittles. Robin, how's it going? I guess I just uh, stepped in the arena. You are in the arena now. Yeah. I didn't step into the arena. I stepped in the arena. Rob, how many jobs do you have? <laughs> I got I got one full time job, SI, Monday through Friday, and then yeah, I uh, I work some other jobs too. <laughs> too many sometimes, but you know, like I, I like to say this to people: I, I can't really complain in this day and age about being overemployed. I, I feel a little bad about that if I do so. Well, you know, Robin, I I don't know if our fans at home would be confused about you know which one the first guest might be if you're the NBA guy or the superhero guy, but uh, I'm pretty sure that it's probably more the comic book thing, right? You'd be the uh, guy. Yeah, I mean, I would t- no, I mean, I think it's uh, it's NBA, uh, Jay Z, and superheroes. Yeah, like <laughs> hip hop stuff and 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 Marvel. Th- those would definitely. Uh, be the 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 triangle offense, if you will, of my uh, my start. I know Ed wanted to talk to you a little bit about Jay Z. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say, how happy are you that he got nominated to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, uh, obviously he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's the the greatest ar- artist in any genre period, you know, of all time. Not just not just rap, but you know, he was already in the the song writers Hall of Fame, right? Uh, Hall of Fame home. I, I hope I did it all without a pen. Uh, you know, I know you heard it before, but I got to remind you all again or whatever the exact lyric is for that. But I mean, 25 years is what's crazy to me about that. I think that's the uh, the classification. Reasonable Doubt came out 25 years ago. You know, I really got into Jay-Z. I would say I, I remember it was volume two. I was in high school. And all those records would knock in the, the school cafeteria, Jigga, you know. And I remember going and, and getting the CD. I remember getting in, into my dad's car. And my dad was like, you sure are listening to a lot of rap lately, uh, you know, after I got that CD. But th- it was from there that I went back and, and I listened to uh, – Volume 3 came out, like, right after that. So I was into that. But I went back and listened to Reasonable Doubt. I, I went back and listened to, to Volume 1. And when the Blueprint hit when I was in college – I mean, first, yeah, Dynasty came out the same day as Stankonia, I believe, when I was in college. And then Blueprint came out. I had a 95 Ford Escort, 
I would blast that that joint uh, endlessly in the 95 Ford Escort. You know, the rest of those records came out in, in college. Black Album was, was huge with that that Beatles uh, remix album. That, that I, I don't think there's ever been an album that was remixed as much as the Black Album was. And then, you know, uh, up until this point in his career. But what's um, crazy to me now is, you know, when, when Kingdom Come came out, you maybe had some of those doubts. You know, and, and was the flow choppier or was he going to be the same guy? And he bounced back with, with American Gangster. He's bounced back since then. And and really from that 444 phase till now, there's like a new version. It's like a new prime, I would say, for him. And, and every verse is kind of like an event. And and the, the confidence and perspective he speaks with and, the, you know, the, the uh, actual, you know, verbiage he uses i mean there's there's nobody like him i mean it's 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 he's the best rapper um ever he's the best rapper alive and he's somehow getting better how many concerts have you been to i don't i, I couldn't tell you the count i mean it's it's got to be it's got to be 10 somewhere in that range right i, I mean i remember I, I saw the blueprint tour at the 930 club in dc that was really cool cuz it was an intimate venue uh, one of the, my favorite shows was the All Points, uh, was it All Points West, was it called? It was a festival, um, over, uh, Liberty Island. And oh, yeah. it was uh, unfortunately right before, uh, MCA from the, the Beastie Boys passed. Um, they had just announced that, that he was sick and they were supposed to headline and Jay stepped in instead and it had rained that whole day. And it was just like a muddy, disgusting mess. And he opened with no sleep till Brooklyn. And that was a moment. I saw him shortly thereafter. This was all around Blueprint three time at the Garden, uh, and that was the t- he brought everybody out at that Rihanna and, and Kanye and John Mayer to do like you don't know and dirt off your shoulder on the guitars. I saw some of the the opening uh, concerts at the Barclays Center, and I, I went to the first B side show. Um, I, I was a title member from the beginning, so as you know, I'm a real hope stand, right? And, and, fun, right? I, what's that? Terminal 5, was that at Terminal 5? Yeah, yeah, and I was right there for that first B-side show. So those are some of the, the ones that 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 stick out. I also saw the Eminem one, uh, the Justin Timberlake one. That was great. I was yeah. there. So, Robin, if Jay-Z was an NBA player, which NBA player would he be based on his career in the rap game? It's interesting. I mean, it's either Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I, I you know. He he would say, you know, Michael Jordan. Uh, don't worry, I'm not the. Uh, don't worry, I'm the Mike Jordan of the mic recording. Of, you know, you Kobe baby, Tracy, uh, Tracy McGrady. Matter of fact, you a Harold Miner, Jared Ryder. I washed up on marijuana. Even worse, you a Pervis Ellis. You worthless fellas. You ain't no athlete. You Sean Bradley. And I know, uh, but you know, I also say like the longevity aspect of it is the LeBron part. Like the OG aspect of it is Jordan. Like the guy, like. For, you know, I'll be the, the Jordan fan forever. Like, you're never, you can't say anyone's ever been better uh, <laughs> than Michael Jordan or Jay-Z. And then I think there's the LeBron aspect of it, of, you know, like LeBron's the MVP favorite right now in year 18, which is just crazy. And, and Jay-Z's still going at, at this point. So, I, I mean, I, I think that the stock answer would be MJ, but I, I could also make the, the LeBron comparison as well. I wanted to keep the conversation here with the GOAT talk. I know that, uh, you know, the Super Bowl now is a few days old, but we're still talking about it a bit because of what Tom Brady was able to accomplish at the age of 43. I love this question that you posed on SI and asking whether this was Brady's most memorable Super Bowl run. So I wanted to turn the tables on you and ask you the same thing. For you, is this the most memorable Super Bowl run that Tom Brady has made? 
You know, it probably is when you when you take the whole thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's his most memorable, you know, play. He, there was no game that I watched in that run and going, oh, Tom Brady's the reason they won or this is the best Tom Brady game. Like, if you were to say, like, what's the most memorable game? I mean, you could always make the argument one of the ones he lost, Philly Special or to the Giants, right? But um, I would say from the, the winning standpoint, it's the 28-3 to comeback. Like, when, when he came back 28-3, to they came back in that Super Bowl. I thought, all right, there's nothing else he could possibly do to add to his legacy, right? But this was the other, this was like the only possible thing he could do to add to his legacy, which was go to another team away from New England. So I, I think the fact that he switched teams, the fact that there was like a weird, you know, like a more personable aspect to him this year, starting from when he broke into somebody's house and was arrested at a park or something. I mean, he wasn't arrested, but, you know, kicked out of a park <laughs> early in the year and, and all that Florida man behavior. And, uh, you know, up until the celebrations and everything and, uh, you know, just doing it with another team and, and, and getting that seventh. I think when you, you encompass all of that, um, you could easily make the case. It's, it's the most memorable run. Did you think he was going to be able to take the Lombardi trophy and hoist it from boat to boat uh, during this parade? I was a little worried that he might not make it, but I guess he is the greatest of all time. I kind of wish it fell in the water. Cause then what happens, you know, like this, does somebody go in after it? Uh, you know, do they have to wait and, and go down and and, fetch, and then like you know just the content it would have created? So I kind of wish that was the the incomplete pass. And and judging by the way he was walking not too long afterwards, I mean credit him to being able to complete that pass with the trophy. I was surprised that Ed did not take Tom and the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Ed, I didn't take anybody. I told him I just wanted to see a good game. <laughs> I said, it really I, wasn't a good game, though. It really wasn't. Unless you're a Bucks fan, it was not a good Super Bowl. Uh, it was, the game was terrible. I, I wish that I wish that they kept it close. But I, what I, um, I'm your thoughts, Robin, on on Brady, on the fact that you know when he was with the Patriots, he wasn't. You know, obviously, a lot of people didn't like him, even though he won. And now he's, you know, getting all this, you know, admiration. What do you think about it now that people are actually like people who? You know, I'm a big, huge Giants fan. They're like, I respect this guy. For years, they're like, I can't stand him, I can't stand him. Now it's different. Why do you think that's happening? Uh, I think part of it is the, you know, the way that the Patriots go about their business and there is no personality out of it. And, and, and you also have the links to the stuff that you could call them cheaters or whatnot. Like all that is in, in unison with his relationship with Belichick because there was the flake gate, there was uh, Spygate and, and, and all that while he was there. And then I think when, when he switches, it's just a new perspective. Again, you, you saw a little bit more of his personality. And then I think when you do get to a certain point, when you realize, oh, wait, you know, even though it feels like he's going to be for, here forever, he's not going to be here forever. And I think you've seen that with LeBron in, in the NBA, too. You know, some of the haters have, have just like, all right, I, 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 I give up. I surrender. Because, like, you're going to do that their entire career, <laughs> you know, and then they're going to be there and you did it to the very bitter end. So I think you get some of that, too, where people are like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? Deny this? Come on, stop being a, um, a you-know-what. You think uh, with, uh, you know, going, switching to basketball, with LeBron seeing Brady win, do you feel like LeBron is even more motivated now to get number five? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, with, with guys like that, they have to constantly put another chip on their shoulders somehow, right? So I, I think they're always going to be self-motivated and a self-starter. But it, it, I think if you're, you know, that you asked Brady and you had him on a polygraph or whatever, you could, you know, you were daredevil. You could check to see if his heart 
skip the beat if he was lying. Uh, he would tell you he wanted to win away from Belichick. He wanted to win somewhere else. And and I think, you know, with LeBron, I, I, I'm not sure he didn't use the last dance as fuel last year, right? Like as, as some form of fuel. All right. So maybe, yeah, now the Brady thing could be some form. Oh, you guys want to say Brady's the greatest of all greats? All right, watch me do this. I mean, look, he's 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 in this endless debate with Jordan. Um, Brady doesn't quite you know doesn't quite have that. They were, we were trying to get the Mahomes thing going, but he, he doesn't really have a, a parallel or or somebody that that's argued against him. And it's also not quite the spirit of football the way it is the, the spirit of basketball to have those debates. But sure, I think a lot of that stuff comes into play. Does LeBron want to win the MVP this year because he should have won some other ones? You know, so he can get you know that total up over four. Sure. Does he want to win another title so he could you know maybe eventually pass Jordan in in total titles or or just add to that argument against Jordan short does LeBron want to you know be in the Brady back and forth or you know one up what Brady just did I'm I'm sure that's the case too you know he wants to pass Kareem I'm sure all that stuff's the case because you're dealing with highly highly motivated individuals I mean and you go back to the last dance I mean they almost made it into a joke a little bit like the Michael Jordan competitiveness stuff but you, you saw he would try to gain those edges even in a who was the random dude? Um, was it like LeBradford Smith? Uh, he was, uh, you know, just figuring out I was slighted by this person so you could get that that little bit of motivation. It's one of the reasons, like, in a regular season game, you might see LeBron not, not coasting, but not, you know, in playoff mode. And then he has an interaction with a fan, and all of a sudden he takes over in the fourth quarter because that gave him that little bit of boost he needed right in that moment. When it comes down to, you know, winning time and championship time, yeah, he's got plenty of motivating factors. Now, Robin, there's another MVP that made the headlines this week, and that's Derek Rose returning to the Knicks. There's clearly a synergy between Rose and Tibbs, but the former MVP has said that they are kind of like the odd couple at the same time. So question I have for you, is this pairing, the, the pairing that the Knicks have really been missing, do you think that he can take them from being maybe a low-level playoff team to something more? No. Um, I, I, I think a, uh, a low level playoff team is a real ceiling for the Knicks. Like, I, you know, I don't act like they are just guaranteed to be a low level playoff team. I didn't mean that completely as an insult, by the way. I, I think, look, Derek Rose and Tom Thibodeau, you know, let every, anybody love you like Tibbs loves Derek Rose, right? Like that, that's great. Um, Rose brings a dimension to the Knicks that they could use. I mean, he's a, um. He's a creator, a scorer, some energy, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they didn't they didn't have too much. That maybe pick up the tempo at, at times for them. You know, I, I was a little concerned about their guard minutes being divvied up. We'll see how that works out, but it looked good in the first game. So could Derrick Rose, you know, possibly help the Knicks continue to compete to maybe qualify for the playoffs? Yes. Are they going to be above that? No. I mean, look, Derrick Rose is – there was a point in time after Derrick Rose's prime where he was a bad player almost. And he has reinvented himself since then in a way that has made him an effective player. And I credit him for that later in his career. But he's limited in the number of minutes he can give you. He's still not in his absolute prime. And the Knicks are still just limited from a talent aspect. I mean, I think credit to the Knicks thus far this year for, I think, you know, maximizing what they have. I think they've they've probably played as well as they possibly can for the, the personnel that they have. So you don't have Rose winning another MVP with the Knicks is what you're saying. Dude, he's coming off the bench for the Knicks to start. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think he should have won. Yeah. I mean, Le Le that should probably be LeBron's MVP anyway. But <laughs> All 
I was gonna say, do you feel like uh, the job that uh, Leon and Wes are doing so far on building the team is a solid job so far? And do you feel like you know they're talking about you know Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, which I think would be a bad move right now, but um, you think those moves that the Knicks should make and try to win now? Well, Bradley Beal, yes, if you can make that. I, I don't know what kind of trade that they could construct exactly to get that done. And I also, you know, his agent came out today and said he's not going anywhere. So to the uh, initial question, uh, yes, so far, so good. Uh, you know, th this is – you have to be cautiously optimistic considering who owns the team and considering the history. It just – it's not hating. The Knicks have won one playoff series since I graduated from high school. You know, and uh, it, they're just mostly bad. Um, and and not just like bad in like you know not winning games, but like in embarrassing fashion at times and all that. But so far, they've been committed to not getting rid of all their assets. They've been committed to building sort of organically rather than chasing a big name past his prime. I mean, Rose could qualify for that, but the, the Rose deal was on such a small level. They didn't give up much to get him. It looks like they're going to integrate him as part of their building process. So I'm cool with that. Um, you know, they've got quickly who, who has shown some promise. RJ Barrett's played better as, as of late and maybe started turning a, a corner as I think there was a, maybe a few weeks ago, you might've started to get worried about him, but since then he, he's, he's turned a corner. They developed Julius Randle a, a little bit in-house. I mean, you always have to mark, you know, look at the market. If if Bradley Beal becomes available and you you are able to facilitate that trade, of course you have to look at it. But there's levels to it, right? Like even you know some of the other guys will mention Kevin Durant and James Harden and and uh, LeBron and and Kawhi and, and and guys like that are like a, a level above Beal. Like they're the the guys. Uh, and then there's um, the Beal level, which is damn good. And, you know, if you can get one of those guys, you get it. And then you go down another level or so before you're talking Victor Oladipo. That's not the kind of move I'm um, flipping a bunch of assets for in an attempt to win now. Beal is. is, is. And I was going to say, how much luck do you think the Knicks will have if Dallas does not make the playoffs and the, and the Knicks uh, own Dallas's pick? And now what would the media say after killing the Knicks two years ago for, ma uh, for making that trade, three seasons ago for making that trade? Well, I think Dallas will probably make the playoffs. Um, I, I think Dallas got off to a bad start. Uh, Dallas has, you know, their their roster is fairly limited. I mean, you look up and down that roster; it's not like laden with talent. But Luca is Luca. I, I give Porzingis a little bit of a everybody's quick, and I know I understand why Knicks fans want to like get revenge for the takes on the Porzingis trade. But he's coming off an injury. It's you know, it, usually it takes guys a few weeks before they really settle in. I, I think his biggest concern right now is defensively moving his feet and, and being able to stay in front of guys, uh, especially the way that the NBA's played now with all the switching and, and having to go out on guards. Um, but I, I think, you know, from a talent standpoint, I'd still buy into him. And, and then, you know, one of the other guys that got in that trade, Tim Hardaway is one of the key players on that team. So ultimately I, I think the, the Mavs are, you know, in the West, they'll wind up not where they were last year, but I, I think they'll wind up in that, six, seven, eight range by the end of the season. So even though Rose was the big story here in the Big Apple, Robin, I think the biggest story this week for the NBA actually comes out of Dallas. And that, of course, uh, centers around the national anthem. So do you agree with the league mandating that all teams play the national anthem? Um, well, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I don't agree. Uh, I also am not mad at it or, or disagree. Like, 
I understand they're they're trying to not have one team dictate it. They're trying to avoid backlash. Uh, we've actually gotten into, I think, you know, uh, because a certain someone is gone and not on Twitter. Uh, you know, we've gotten into a, a less divisive time already. Like, well, I don't think about quite this. You know, it still exists. Every I'm not saying that all that has gone away. You you don't just put that eight years and whatever preceded that eight years into like a sewage. It doesn't, and, and it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, there, it, it happened for a reason, right? I mean, the capital nonsense, garbage, uh, disgusting stuff was just a, a month ago. Um, but I do feel since, you know, Biden has, has come in, you, you have a little bit more of a sense of normalcy where you're not like every day, what's going to happen today? You know, like, oh my God, what is he going to say? Or what's going to happen? You know, that kind of thing. So I, I feel like that's eased stuff a little bit. So I, I understand where they don't want to go right back into that highly charged um, environment. The idea of not playing the national anthem is one I can get on board with simply because, I mean, there's a few reasons. One, forced patriotism is not patriotism. Um, two, the national anthem is not played before other events. It's not played before you go to dinner or you go to the movie. Yeah, or you go to work, right? Like, it's, that's just not the – so why are sporting events necessarily different? If you're not playing it, you don't have this argument over what people do when you are playing it or uh, about all of it. And, and I, I get fans weren't in the arena, so that played a part in it being under the radar. But I, I would argue that it shows it's not actually a big deal to people to the extent that they, they make it out to be or it's not actually that big a deal given that nobody knew about it. They did it, you know, for 13 games and, and we just found out about it, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, because a lot of these people, and, and I say this with all due respect to the people who do have a, a sincere connection, but there's a lot of people who are are, are faking the funk, you know, and, and they're very performative in, in their anger about it because they're the same people who get up to, to go to the bathroom during the national anthem. They're not s- sitting in their living room, you know, like this when the national anthem is playing. They're betting the over-under, on the national anthem at the Super Bowl, is that respecting it to bet the the duration of it, your money on it? Um, but I, to be quite frank, we can we all just agree to stop fighting about this? Like that's one thing. Which if you want to stand at attention with your hand on your heart and all all of your pride, cool. If you want to kneel to protest, cool. If you want to do neither of those things. Cool. This is not something we should still be fighting about. We're not going to get anywhere. It's it's a pointless endeavor. That's actually Mark Cuban's argument. He says that the anthem doesn't represent the beliefs of everyone. Yeah, and, and I can see that. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, why was the Drew Brees thing so polarizing, so divisive when it happened? Right. It's not that Drew Brees hadn't said that before, or other people hadn't said that before. It was the timing. People just saw George Floyd murdered on camera. Right. Like, so there, it was ripe. It was like, right now you're going to say that too, you know? And, and so there is that. Um, then there are other people who they have a, you know, it, it's not always just about the military, but of course there's military connection, whatever personal reasons there may be, right. Who, who do have a, a connection to it, but that's what I'm saying. Like we should all be accepting and understanding it's, it's, it, it's a tradition, but it's a song too. Right. And it can mean what it means to, uh, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I've at times felt awkward 
during it. I've at times like liked seeing it at the Olympics. Uh, you know, I, I there's always the jokes online that it doesn't even slap, right? But you know, like <laughs> as far as as far as like, is it actually this this topic that people should be at each other's throats over anymore? Unless you're being disingenuous and you're using it as some other tool, right? You're using it to go like, oh, look at these people. They want to get rid of the national anthem or, or you know, the other side, whatever that may be. You know, if, if people respect it, great. If people don't feel that it, it, it appeals to them and, and they they uh, want to to make that known, I totally get that. And that's why I, I understand not playing it. And actually, if you were telling me what I would prefer, it would be that because it would just eliminate all that. Like it, it just, it's not there anymore for, for th this stuff to continue to go on. Cause we've been having these, these debates for since Kaepernick took a knee, right. It's become, I have a bit about the, the sports talk radio greatest hits album. Right. And it's my Jordan versus LeBron is a money track. Uh, used to be who was more responsible for the Patriots' success, Bel Belichick or Brady. Should college athletes be paid? Uh, should steroid guys get into the Hall of Fame? You know, which sport produces the greatest athletes? Uh, you know, whatever. All those various topics that, that you get into when, when you're doing, should Eli Manning be in the Hall of Fame? And now it's like, should you, you know, what do you think about the national anthem? That's That's been a, a endless thing for, for years and years. And it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a version of the LeBron Jordan debate where the LeBron Jordan debate is fun. You're not going to get anywhere generally in the LeBron Jordan debate, but I think it's fun. The national anthem debate is not fun. It, it just like brings out the, this gross stuff from people. And, and, and I just prefer if it wasn't uh, something we're fighting over anymore. It, has there, is it getting anybody anywhere? No. I mean, even Trump, he, he used to use it as a tool, you know, cause he's a manipulator. Whenever it, something was really going on, he had done some horrible crime or whatever, and all of a sudden he'd go like, they're disrespecting, look at the sons of bitches in the NFL. Because he knew that was red meat, right? And, and he, could, he could get the news cycle, he could get people to talk about it. And, you know, we shouldn't be playing that game anymore. We're past that. Facts. I just want to uh, switch up to the Brooklyn Nets. Who is the leader of the Brooklyn Nets out of those the big three? And why, you know, I have my own opinion. I just want to hear yours. Hmm. I mean, I would say it's going to have to be Kevin Durant ultimately because he's the he's the best player. Uh, he's the guy you know I think um, defensively can can uh, change the game the most amongst those three. But it's interesting because he I, I saw somebody I, I wish I could give him credit like almost said he's their Bosch in a way, not in the level of I think you put LeBron and Wade ahead of Bosch, right? Like, in, but in the sense that he's the one that just like fits in. It seamlessly. So, and he's not the most vocal dude. Kyrie, you know, they can go as he goes sometimes because when he's locked in, I mean, that guy is so dangerous. I'm not sure there's any player I'd rather have with the ball in his hands and taking a shot than Kyrie Irving. Like my life was on the line. It might be Kyrie Irving, right? Um, but you can't completely rely on him. Harden has come along and, and I think he's tried to be that, you know, he's tried to be that from a, uh, from a uh, steadying influence, doing the right things, distributing the basketball and everything. But ultimately, I think, you know, it's going to be the best. It, it could be collaborative effort, but it's, it's going to be best if, if that comes from your best player. And that's still Kevin Durant. What's been the best part of doing the podcast now, having Kerry Kittles be your running mate in your backcourt? Well, I mean, look, it, it, one, 
you get somebody who who the fan base loves, right? In in Carrie going back and and obviously played in the league and the perspective that comes with that. And then uh, the other is just this team itself. You know, like this year, if you could pick one team, and I think this is just a, a fair objective statement. Basically, if you could pick one team in all of sports to cover right now, it'd be that team, fandom or not, right? Like that's the team. Every it, it reminds me not to circle back to LeBron again, but it kind of reminds me of covering a LeBron team because having watched LeBron so closely over the years, you see the hysteria that goes around around him. And that's dissipated now because, because of what we mentioned before with him and Brady, but that hysteria is now on the nets. They're that team that everybody covers in a hysterical fashion. So like if they lose, Oh my God, the defense is never, never going to do anything. And then if they win, like the league is on notice, the nets are here. You know, like it's this hysterical way that they're covered. And then you have, the personalities involved or Katie will clap back at people on Twitter. You never know what's going to, you know, you open up Kyrie's IG, what's going to happen next, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the saga of Harden coming over and, and what they're going to do to shore up the roster. Um, the, the, the little squabbles with Knicks fans along the way, you know, there, there's just so many different uh, subplots to that team. So I think that that's one of the cool things is just, it's the most interesting team in sports right now. It's the worst defensive team I've ever seen, though. I mean, I mean, when I know you watch the games, you must be like, "Oh my god, the defense is so bad." It's frustrating at times, but look, they're what are they eight and one against teams that came into the game with a five hundred or better record? <laughs> yeah. It'd be more concerning if they lost to all the good teams and beat all the bad teams. I think it's a little they they are limited defensively from a roster standpoint. I think they need to make some adjustments there. Um, Obviously, some of their best players are, are not known as defensive stalwarts. So when you're putting Kyrie and, and Har- I think Harden's actually played pretty good defense, but Kyrie, he needs to be really locked in like he, he's been in the finals in the past. And then DeAndre Jordan has has wavered, you know, like a lot of that. But some of that's going to be effort. Some of that's going to be how focused you are on a given team. And their best lineup, like the Jeff Phoenix center lineup, their closing lineup, has outscored teams by a lot, like by 20-something points per 100 possessions. So – Ultimately, I think do you have do they have to be better consistently defensively to to be the kind of team that we all think they have to be? I think everybody knows that, yes, duh. But I, I think if those three guys are on the floor, they're gonna most likely represent the East in the finals. And and you know, I, I also think, you know, we've seen them beat the Clippers, right? We we've seen them beat and lock up with, with some of those teams. When it comes to the playoffs, if they can be an above average defensive team. I think, you know, they'll be okay. And, and and some of that does come along, like I said before, with reacting to every game. Um, I mean, I think any – to a man, all of them would tell you they have to be better defensively. Robin, did you think that the the Harden trade was the biggest surprise so far from the NBA season, or would you pick another storyline? Um I mean, I'd have to 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 really think about it. I mean, I, I think the Knicks have been a pleasant surprise where they're at. Um, but yeah, from a blockbuster standpoint, I I, I think you'd have to say that because um, it it, it kind of quieted. It was a big in the off season, the the Nets aspect of it, and then it felt like when the season started, that kind of died down, and then all of a sudden it picked back up again. I, I think you know it's going to be tough to to beat you know basically a top five player in the NBA getting dealt to a, a team that already had two superstars on it. Now, speaking of blockbuster trades, I mean, it, does it fascinate you when you think about Carmelo Anthony and realize that it's it's pretty much almost 10 years? We're a couple of weeks away from the 10-year anniversary of Melo going to the Knicks. I mean, it seems like yesterday 
And uh, this is a question that I know will be near and dear to our producer, Randy Cruz, because he just loves him some Carmelo Anthony. Uh, yeah, that was um, – look, I, I was covering the Knicks very closely during that time period. Um, I even had Melo do a drop for me on my radio show because – I had had a bunch of, you know, I, I called them the Knicks fan police at the time. Like, if you ever said anything critical of the Knicks, they would come after you. Um, and, like, they almost had Stockholm Syndrome, right? Like, they identified with their captor. And the when when because when I came to – here's a quick story. Like, I came to – I've been an NBA head my whole life, right? I, I came to New York in 2004. Um, and, you know, I broke into the business. And there wasn't – you know, the NBA wasn't talked about that much. And I'm like – Yo, I can tell, I can feel already, this is a basketball town at its heart, right? Like, it, it wants to be a basketball town. The team just hasn't let it. So I did everything, like, I, I I was trying, like, almost to will the Knicks into being more relevant and good. And I was, like, even rationalizing Isaiah Thomas moves. Like, Eddie Curry has scored 20 points in so-and-so straight games. You know, like, um, and, uh, you know, eventually that just wore me down o- over the years. It's one of the reasons um, you know, I, I picked up on the Nets, but during that span, there were exciting moments, right? Uh, you know, there was the, I, I think I did a thing with, uh, using Bloomberg's trying to recruit LeBron. And then there was Carmelo Anthony trade. I remember the Staten Mellow, Staten Mellow, Staten Mellow. And the, the hopes Lynn sanity wasn't the anniversary that just happened. That was one of the coolest things, uh, I had been around. I mean, I was at the, I was at the Super Bowl that year and I came back to do Nick's pre-game, halftime, and post-game. I didn't actually go to the Super Bowl game itself. I was there for the week, and I came back on the Saturday, and that was the game they played the Nets and Darren Williams. And I remember, you know, Jeremy Lin uh, stretching it, quad stretch, and Dan D'Antoni goes to him like, uh, you know, you might want to be ready to play today. And, and then that whole thing unfolded, and, and you really just caught the, the spirit of it. But, yeah, I mean, the Carmelo trade was, was a big deal when it went down. And uh, Carmelo's had an interesting career overall, right? Like – Cause there's, he's a surefire hall of famer. Um, but there was a time where maybe people wouldn't have felt great about it. I think this the last stint in the, with the Blazers has helped his reputation overall a, a little bit, but he, he's, he's definitely had a, an interesting career where people would, you know, sort of place him in the hierarchy and, and where you hear people argue for him. I, I make fun of Randy because uh, Randy, obviously we know he loves the Knicks and, uh, he posts uh, the Jeremy Lin thing the other day, and that's Randy's championship. Uh, do you see the Knicks winning a championship in your lifetime? I mean, I hope to live a long life. Um, <laughs> I mean, based on what, though? Like, I can't, like, I don't want to say it could never happen, but, like, based on the evidence at hand and where they're, like, are they close to a championship? No. Have they shown anything in an organization that would make me think that they're built towards the champion. I, I, they just have no reason to, but I don't want to like make Knicks fans feel bad by it. You know, like that's just a, do you think the Knicks are like, what is your evidence to no. get the Knicks are going to win a championship? I worked, I worked for the Knicks for 20 years. I had one opportunity. That was 1999 for me. And then I it went downhill as soon as Isaiah came and Jeff Van Gundy left. What was the, uh, was it 2013 that they were good? The 54? Yeah, the, yeah, the, 54, the 54 win team when they lost the second round. Yeah, that was a pretty good team. Yeah, that was a good team. But, you know, I just – I like to joke around with Randy because Randy loves to put these moments up. And Randy's still living in 
in the past. And I'm like, bro, think about the future. I still don't understand how they the, the Jeremy Lin thing fell apart. Like, I get it. His career never, like, took off. I, I, th- I think Jeremy Lin was a better player than he got credit for and just came into some bad situations. And when he finally got into a good one, he, his body broke down. And we'll see if he gets another chance in the NBA. But I just never understood, like, you have that happen and then he just gone. Like, it's like striking oil and then plugging the hole. Like, I always wonder what would happen if, if he, he, he stuck around. Because it wasn't like you know, a trade situation, but just like, you know, I have to give him a contract. You see some of the contracts these guys get nowadays. I don't know, you know, that was such a huge deal. Um, that was just, that was one of those many Knicks things that came along that just made me like, just be smarter, you know, you, you know, just, <laughs> just be smart. You, you, you have the, all this goodwill with your fan base. Why would you, why would you t- trash it? Robin, I'm going to steal the last question because we're up against it in terms of time. And, you know, we talked about it a bit in the open and all all jokes aside, but you're a big comic book fan, a big superhero guy. If the world was hanging in the balance, which superhero are you calling? The world? Like, well, uh, you got to well, give me hanging in the balance. You have to which, describe how it's hanging in the balance. What is the situation in New York hanging in the balance? I mean, obviously, Doctor Strange, if you're just giving me this blanket thing because he was the one that could see all the various possible versions of the future, right, and said it's just this one scenario where you have to off yourself, Iron Man, in order for this to go down. So I guess him, by that broadest definition, but you have to give me the criteria or the the terms of how it's hanging in the balance. Worse than it is right now. How about that? I mean, like, is it hanging in the balance because, like, you know, aliens are coming to destroy it? Is it hanging in the balance because, you know, like, an asteroid has come in? Is it hanging in the balance because of, uh, um, you know, an attack on the ground? Like, exactly how is it hanging in the balance? I need to know what your personality is. I guess I have to figure out. I have to come up with my doomsday plan for you, I guess, for that question. Yeah. I mean, if, like, if, if there's a main, if there's a bank robbery, who you who do you call to save Spider Man? Spider Man, you know, like, even bank robbery take them out easy, quick. There's not gonna be it's not gonna be messy, nothing like that. Get a few quips in in the, the situation, you know. That, that's uh, Spider Man for sure. Well, he's Robin Lumberg. He knows a lot about comic books, superheroes, and sports. For more information on him, you can find him at robinlumberg.com. Thanks, Robin. Probably later. Appreciate you, man. Great stuff.